Before you're seated, take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. There are some inserts in your bulletin today about ministry with children over the summer. And I recognize many of you won't be here in the summer, but if you are, uh, it would be a great outlet for you to, um, to share your faith in very tangible ways with our children. And so if you'd like to teach Sunday school, uh, work with children's church, work in the nursery, uh, that would be awesome. And I, I think you would benefit from it, but also those that you teach would benefit as well. If you're, if you're interested in the nursery, today's the last day to sign up for that. Uh, they're going to be doing the schedule tomorrow morning, so you're going to want to drop that in the uh, offering plate or hand it to one of the pastors or an usher after the service this morning. There's also an insert about 30-hour famine. The youth group is doing this, and uh, they're doing this uh, Friday. So if you're interested in supporting uh, some of our youth in 30-hour famine, then uh, we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that as well. Tonight, Cornelia is at 7. It's a special night. Jared Anderson will be here, and he'll be leading the time. Uh, Jared's the author of Here's Some Heaven that we used in our prayer vigil theme song, as our prayer vigil theme song a few years. And I think it's going to be a great night uh, of worship. So we'll be in the chapel, 7 o'clock tonight, and Jared Anderson will be leading that. Uh, Wednesday evening, ministry is on a regular schedule. There is a special event for the uh, girls' club. Next Sunday morning, worship at 8, 29, 40, and 11. And next Sunday afternoon, we are uh, hosting a, a celebration of the Leeches ministry here. They will be leaving the end of May, but we wanted to have a gathering before college was out. So we're going to be meeting next Sunday afternoon just to come and go reception, give you an opportunity to, uh, to share with them. And we hope that uh, you will be a part of that next Sunday. Also, we are uh, in the process of the uh, election of our leaders for the church for the next year. There are ballots and information posted around the church, and um, the election will, be take, will take place on May 20th. Uh, we're doing things a little differently this year, and the election will be Sunday morning around the services. We want to, we want to get input from you in that if you have it. So if you would like to, um, to, add, to present a name to the nominating committee for them to consider uh, beyond what is already, already on the ballot, then uh, we need you to get that to... Uh, to the church office before or by next Sunday. And then after that, they'll be putting that together and then a final ballot on the 6th. There are always uh, prayer concerns. We certainly want to remember uh, Joan Lord and her family, the death of her, of her mother earlier this week. And there are other concerns locally here as well as things around the world. And we ask for God's grace in each of them. We're going to ask the ushers to come now and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. The next song that we would like to teach you all is a leaving song or a sending song. Um, and it's surprising how few leaving and sending songs have been written, but this is one of them. Um, it's the kind of song that we sing as we leave our service, as we go forth into the world, and as we think about the things that we want to be doing as we leave. Um, so we're going to teach it to you now, even though you're not leaving. So please don't leave right now as we sing as you go to you. Um, but we'll sing it again at the end, and at that time, you may leave.
chance to pray together, and if you'd like to use the altar as your place of prayer, I invite you to join me. Father, we come and worship today to acknowledge that you are the great God of all, creator, ruler, sustainer. We come today with a lot of stuff in our hearts and on our minds. We come acknowledging our sins and the many ways and times in which We've turned away from you. 
we acknowledge today the, the burdens on our hearts about people we love who are struggling with illness, pain, people who are grieving. We think today about yearnings in our hearts, desires, plans that are yet unfulfilled. We think about the future. And we'd love for it to be crystal clear, but it seems as though more often than not, it's pretty foggy. We think about the world in which we live and all the stuff that's going on that burdens us and worries us and frightens us. Lord, in this moment of silence, we, we lay at your feet all of these things that are on our minds and hearts today. Gracious Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for your presence in our lives when we see it and when we don't. We offer our prayers to you today through Christ. as we join together our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers in praying together the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from Second Peter. Chapter 1, starting with verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, as we sing together. It's 1973, I was in eighth grade, and I played the trumpet, sort of. I played the trumpet. Uh, I started in fifth grade, you know, our family was very musical, and so I was supposed to play an instrument. My mom tried to teach me piano, I didn't want to play piano, so she said, you got to do something. So I chose the trumpet, it seemed, seemed uh, like a good choice. What I remember about playing the trumpet in, is in junior high band is, um, is, my, is my teacher. 
you know, I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know how old the man was. He had gray hair. And, you know, when you're in eighth grade, anybody over 35 looks like they're 70, you know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's, I don't know how old he was, but I, I'm pretty sure he'd been a junior high band teacher for a long time, and it was starting to wear on him. Uh, as you can well imagine, it might. Uh, you know, he loved, I think he got pleasure out of yelling at us. Uh, screaming at us is a better way probably of describing it. Um, he, you know, he, he got pretty angry. He did have a temper problem. And more than once, uh, many of us ducked erasers flying at us when we missed a note four or five times in a row or his baton he would throw at us. I've seen, I saw him rip instruments out of kids' hands and play it the way it was supposed to be played. And, you know, he was just a really intimidating guy. And all of us were scared to death of him. Well, when I was in eighth grade, um, and, and actually I, I didn't play trumpet after eighth grade. I decided to get into vocal music more than instrumental music. But I think also, I mean, probably a couple of factors. It probably wasn't my gifting to play the trumpet. Um, he might have been the first one to tell you that. Uh, but the other part of it was, I, you know, I just didn't like living under that kind of pressure all the time. But I remember in eighth grade, three other guys and I formed a trumpet quartet and and we were playing, play, preparing a song for the all-city uh, festival competition. And so, you know, we're practicing and practicing, you know, months ahead of time. And sometimes over lunch hour, we'd get together as it got closer, and we would practice. And the day of the, the festival, we got, I remember that day, we had lunch. After lunch, we went to the practice room. We went through the song a few times. You know, we'll meet tonight. So that, later that evening, the phone rings. And when the phone rang, I thought to myself, something doesn't seem quite right here. And then when my mother said, Wes, it's Mr. Offelstadt, I don't know how, how low your heart can sink. If it can go below your toes, but if it can, mine did. I mean, even as I'm telling you this now, my, I'm, I'm getting kind of nervous and I can feel my, my pulse racing. And as soon as I heard his name, I realized I totally forgot about going to the competition. I had three people who were former friends of mine who played trumpet with me. Oh, man, they were so mad. And that teacher yelled at me over the phone, you know, and, and he was so angry. And I deserved it. You know, it's not the first thing I've forgotten. It was not the last thing I've forgotten. And I suspect that, you know, it, it's a part of our human nature. We forget things. We forget things that are important to us. We forget a lot of things that aren't important to us, but we forget stuff. And it's, it's a part of the struggle of, of being human is our forgetfulness. And, and I think that's at the heart of what Peter is trying to communicate in this passage that we read today. He begins in verse 12 saying, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. Remember, remind, remember. Over and over again, he's saying to them, I want to remind you of these important truths. He begins verse 12 saying, I want to remind you of these things. And you wonder, what are these things? And I think it's what he's saying earlier, beginning in verse 3. And he says, talks about God's divine power that's given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want you to remember who God is. And I want you to remember what God is doing in your lives and the great promises God has for you and the faithfulness of God in your life. Because every day you live, you're going to continually be confronted with stuff that's going to cause you to forget. And I want to remind you. Now, when you, when you think about what it means to remember, excuse me, <coughs> when you think about what it means to remember, it's more than just recalling to mind. It's more than just, oh yeah, I thought of that. The Old Testament, some people say you could summarize the Old Testament in one word, remember. And you find that God says to the people over and over again, if you remember me, then there'll be blessing. If you forget me, there's going to be tough times. And how they remember is significant to their spiritual walk with God. But it doesn't just mean, I hope you you keep me in your mind. I think of that in terms of how God remembers. It tells us that, you know, the Israelites are in Egypt, they're enslaved. And God says to, to, God says to Moses, I have remembered my people in Egypt. Now, that doesn't mean that God all of a sudden went, oh, no, I forgot all about them. No, God doesn't say, you know, I got so busy with other stuff, it just completely slipped my mind. I don't think that's what God is saying. But rather, God is saying, I am now going to act for them. And because God says he remembers, he sends Moses to Egypt and there are plagues and the people come out and they're set free. And remembering is not just recalling to mind, but it always involves action. If, if somebody you know has a birthday and you remember it, is it enough just to say, oh yeah, I thought of that this morning and that's it? Did you really remember it? They're not going to know you remembered it. To remember it means that you say happy birthday. Maybe you buy them a gift. Maybe you come to their party. That's remembering. It always involves action. And Peter is trying to help us understand that we need to remember, we need to be active about thinking about the things of God, not just bringing them to mind, but letting them be ingrained in us and and grow in us. He's wanting us to create a Christian memory. Now, for some people, and there's some of you here who grew up, didn't grow up in America, and you grew up in countries where you didn't hear much about God or Jesus or anything. And you come here to to this country and you you have no Christian memory. You don't know the stories of the Bible? If somebody says something like the prodigal son, doesn't mean anything to you. If someone talks about an event in the life of Jesus, doesn't mean anything to you. For our children, we are trying to develop Christian memory in them. Trying to, that's why we tell them the stories. That's why we talk to them about Jesus. That's why we do all that we do because we're trying to develop Christian memory. But here Peter is saying, as he begins verse 12... I want to remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. We never outgrow needing to remember. We never outgrow the need to develop our spiritual Christian memory. And that's sometimes hard for us to grasp, particularly if we grew up in the church and we know all the stories of the Bible and we've heard all these things, we think... 
I've got it, I'm done. But we never outgrow the need to be reminded and to develop our Christian memory. So what is it that we are specifically to remember? And Peter says in verses 16 to 18 that it's, it's about Jesus. And he tells us a story of the transfiguration where Peter, James, and John are going up in a mountain with Jesus. And Jesus is transfigured into, a, into probably his eternal uh, appearance. They recognize him. They, they, they see him. But he's very different. And, you know, I think Peter is, is trying to trigger... The, a memory for, his, for us and for his readers that we worship the eternal Christ and our memory is about the, the resurrected Christ. And that's the foundation of our memory, that Christ is raised and he's made promises to us who follow him about what life is going to be like someday with him. But then Peter has this section 20 to 21 where he talks about the scriptures and the centrality of the scriptures. And he says, above all, I understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For the prophecy never had its origin in the will of human beings. But prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Our Christian memory is rooted and founded not just in the eyewitness account of other people. Not just what other people have experienced but in our understanding of the scriptures. Our Christian memory is rooted in God's word. And Peter wants us, he says, above all, understand that the scriptures are true. What the prophets said about Jesus are true. What I've told you about Jesus and, and others are writing down about their life with Jesus, that's true. And what, the, what people will write after Jesus is true. The struggle we have with the scriptures is that we, we tend to want to, to embrace the things of the scripture that we like, the things that affirm us, and ignore the things that we don't like and the things that don't affirm us. Maybe the things we don't understand. And scholars throughout the world for a number of, of centuries have been looking at the scriptures and saying, all right, what here do we think is true and what's not true? And they pick and choose, and, they, and it's all, what it becomes is the Scripture is really about them. But even as we condemn what they do, we do the same thing. Well, I like that passage, so I'm going to embrace that, but that's kind of convicting. I think I'll move over here from that one. And I'll just act like that's not here. And we're doing the same thing. Either the Scriptures are all true or... All of it is suspect. And if it's suspect, then it becomes the scriptures that look like me. The things I like, the things I understand, the things I want to read and embrace. And not the scriptures of God. I think Peter is trying to help us understand what Paul states, perhaps in clearer terms, in 2 Timothy, where he says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture comes from God. It is from him. It is not a human idea. It's God's word. It's from him. And that's why it's trustworthy. That's why it's reliable. That's why it's the right foundation for our Christian memory. If you take that away, I mean, you're, you're left with some good things. 
mean, if you take away the fact that the scriptures are the word of God, you can still find some good moral lessons in the scriptures, sort of like, you know, Aesop's fables. Or, or you, can, you can find a, a, some pretty clear pictures of human nature, much as we find in some of Shakespeare's plays. And you can be inspired to, to beautiful things, like you might in a sonnet by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. But you're not going to find who God is. And you're not going to find about what it means to be in relationship with God, which is the foundation of the Scriptures. The Scriptures are given to us so that we can know God, who He is, and so that we can live in, know how to live in relationship with God. And as life goes along, we are continually bombarded and pressured with forgetting. The evil one wants to put everything possible into our lives to cause us to think that that we go our own way to to question whether God is really faithful or not and whether he's good or not. And, And as life takes its difficult turns, we are confronted with those questions all the time. And that's why we need the Christian memory for the scriptures come flooding back to us and we remember hearing the scriptures say to us, God is always faithful. God is good. God loves you. God cares for you. Yes, you're going to go through difficult things, but God will be there every moment. And what it means to live in obedience to God that leads to life as opposed to disobedience that leads to death. Where do we find that except in the scriptures? We need to remember. The church fathers through the years have given us tools to help us remember. Some of them are very personal. We need time alone of reading the scriptures and prayer and And that's important. But I think our memories are developed most effectively in the church. We remind each other. We help each other remember. That's why we come together on Sundays. That's why we gather for worship. And, and, you know, he says, these are things that that are, are not new to you, but you still need to be reminded. And we come together every Sunday. Most of what we do... You could tag that as being similar, you know, fairly repetitious. We we sing similar songs. And even when we learn new ones like we did today, the point of it is that it becomes familiar to us. And we read passages of Scripture that that we've heard before more than likely. And, And we pray prayers that sound very similar from week to week. And honestly, I doubt if there are very many Sundays when if you've been in the faith for a while... That I say anything that you say, I'd never thought about that truth before. Now, hopefully, you're hearing it in a way that's maybe a little bit different, or maybe it's, hopefully it's connecting to your life in a way that's very personal, but it's not anything that's just totally brand new. So why do we keep doing it? Because we learn by repetition. And we learn by singing the same songs and praying the same prayers and, and, and reading the same scripture And even hearing the same word proclaimed. And yes, it's a little bit different, but the gist of it is the same. And we do that not because we want to just be repetitious, but because that's the way we learn. That's how we develop a Christian memory. By coming together in worship and and joining our hearts over and over and over again. So that when we sing the songs and they become familiar to us and we're out somewhere else and they pop into our minds and something about the message of that in that moment can speak to us. That's why the church fathers 
develop the church calendar. And I know I keep talking about this, but I think it's so vital. It's partly vital for me because I didn't grow up with it. And I've just, I've learned through the years how valuable it is to be reminded season after season of the things that God has done for us in Christ. We need, uh, we need a yearly reminder of preparing for Christmas. And we need a yearly reminder of God revealing himself uh, to all people in Epiphany. And we need to focus on the cross during Lent. And we need to remember that we're resurrection people through the season of Easter and, and the fullness of the church when we get to Pentecost. We need to keep being reminded of that because we keep forgetting as life pushes in on us and the evil one keeps tempting us and, and we are so prone to forget and the church calendar is one of the ways in which we, we remember. And the same thing is true of the symbols of the church. The cross, the candles. And we light the candles each week to remind us as God said to the Israelites in the Old Testament that he is light And when they lit the candles, that was a reminder to them that God who is light is with them all the time. And when we come together for worship, we light the candles to remind us that God is here. This is not a human gathering. This is a gathering with the divine. God is present. That's why when we have baptism, we give people a baptism candle. And I tell them, every year on the anniversary of baptism, you pull that candle out and and you have a party. If you can convince the people in your family around you to buy you gifts and get you a cake, that's a bonus and that's awesome. Do it. But use that moment to remember. Light that candle again and retell the story of your baptism. Think about what you were feeling. Think about, talk about why you got baptized and, and what you sensed God was doing in your life. And think about and talk about the vows that you took when you were baptized So that something that happened last year or two years ago or 25 years ago is still real in your memory today. Remember. That's why we put the stones up out here in the the grass and out here behind the sign. It was after our first prayer vigil and, and God did moved among us powerfully, and we wanted some way to remember that. And so we set up those stones. We sang a song about an Ebenezer, and that's really what that was about, about setting up stones to remember God. And I hope that when you walk by those stones, if you were here, it triggers a memory for you. And if you weren't here, ask someone, what do those stones mean? Our children, new people say, what's up with those stones? And we have the opportunity to remember and to tell the story again. And it's one way to to enhance our Christian memory. We use memory tools all the time. You know, if you have a if you have a computer, you may use Outlook. I mean, that's what I do, and I, I sync it with my iPod so that when I'm not in front of my desk, these things, you know, you get little dings and, and buzzes and stuff coming up to remind us because we're so we so easily forget. And you can ask, well, is If you really cared about something, shouldn't you just be able to remember it? You shouldn't need all those devices. Well, the reality is we need the devices. And if it's it's so important to me that I don't want to forget it, then I'm going to do everything in my power to help me remember. And the things of God are important to us. And if it's important to us to develop our Christian memory, then we need to do everything in our power to do just that. To let God remind us over and over again. 
Jesus says this table is about our memory. When he, the first meal with his disciples, he gave them bread and he gave them the cup and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember who I am. Remember what I've done. Remember what I'm going to do. And this table is a, is a memory trigger for us that when we eat and drink, we remember the sacrifice of Christ and we remember the power of Christ in the world and in our lives. And we come and we remember. I don't know if you have seen the, the new show that's been on this year. It started in the fall. Uh, I think it's on CBS, but it's, the show's called Unforgettable. And it, it's about a, a woman who has the gift of being able to always to remember everything. And she's a police officer, it's a drama, and she saw, helps solve cases by her ability to remember. There is a, there's a statement that she makes at the beginning of every show. It's something like this. I'm Carrie Wells. There are few people in the world who can remember everything about their life. I'm one of them. Ask me about any day of my life, and I can tell you what I saw and what I heard. Faces, conversations, clues, which comes in handy because she's a cop. And she ends that by saying, my life is unforgettable. That makes for great television drama, but she's right. There are very few people in the world that have that kind of memory. So we need to be reminded. We need to put ourselves in a place where God can speak into our memory and develop our memory so that when the evil one pushes against us, we have a resource to do something about it. We have a strength that we can call on. We have power and grace that can help us overcome. As we prepare to come to this table, may God give us a desire to want to remember and to develop our Christian memory for living. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy to us and your grace to us. And we ask that you will help us to remember. As we prepare to come to this table, we pray that your spirit will bless the bread and the cup of which we're about to partake. That as we receive this food into our bodies, it will become food for our souls. And it will trigger for us a memory of Christ of what you've done for us in Christ, of your grace in our lives through Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. As you're released by Rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then you can return to your seat by the outside aisle. If you'd like to stay and pray at the altar, it's always open. You're welcome to do that. If coming to the front is difficult for you or you simply prefer, we do have a tray of bread and cups and we're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. We practice open communion at the Western Church. This might be the first time you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with a desire for God's grace in your life, then you are invited to come and to receive these gifts from his gracious and loving hand.